Welcome to this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. I'm Lav, soon to be joined by Rex. And the United States has won the 2022 President's Cup. That part wasn't necessarily surprising, but how the Americans reached that five-point margin of victory certainly created some intrigue. We'll get into our breakdown, top performances, what it all means, and where we go from here. But first... Callaway's Rogue ST drivers are the fastest, most stable drivers ever. Their industry-leading innovations include an all-new tungsten speed cartridge for increased speed, stability, and forgiveness. The jailbreak speed frame also provides stability for even more speed across the face, and an AI-designed flash face promotes lower spin and increased forgiveness. These drivers continue to win all over the world for players like Xander Shoffley and Sam Burns, who are part of the U.S. Uh, winning President's Cup team at Qual Hollow. Go to CallawayGolf.com to find the driver that's right for you, Rex. Uh, I went to CallawayGolf.com today, and I'll be finding uh, those rogue ST irons uh, that are certainly right for me. Uh, I hope you uh, have finished noshing on the Taco Bell that we have picked up. It's about 9.40 p.m. Eastern time. We're recording this live Sunday after filing our stories for GolfChannel.com. What was your take? What can the folks read? on the website this evening? Uh, my take was about this American team. And I think Trevor sort of set the standard earlier this week when he said it's the best team ever on paper. I mean, he kind of... Not quantified. true. Not true. Uh, it's not. It's absolutely not. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't even know how you, you would quantify that. I it mean, was the third. It was the third best U.S. team by average world ranking. Last year's Ryder Cup team, 8.9. The 2019 excuse me, 2018 Ryder Cup team was 11.1, and this was 11.5, third best. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of things that go into that. Certainly what they've done these last two matches, you go back to last year's Ryder Cup and what they did this week, that's a, confi- that's a combined. I can pick- hear you eating your Taco Bell. No, not true. Not- <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not true. All right. I was very hungry. Um, a combined 15 points between those two wins. You look at the core of this team. Talking about Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and Xander Drink Schaffer. some water. Drink some water. Patrick Antley. I'm good. I've recovered. I'm good. Uh, look at those four guys. Just alone. Let's just look at those four guys. And you and I were talking about it on the car ride home. Zach Johnson, his job just got half as easier as it would have been otherwise. Because now he goes into next year's Ryder Cup in Italy, and he's already penciled in two of his four pairings every single day. All he's got to do is figure out the other two now, which – puts him in a, in a sort of a category that no other U.S. captain has been in in a long time. So the team that they have right now is young and it's driven and there's a huge amount of motivation, but there's a lot of reasons that it's not the best. And I, I think the best line I got, and this was from someone on the European side who pointed out that, number one, it probably wasn't the best European team that they beat last year at Whistling Straits. If you look at Lee Westwood on that team and Ian Poulter and Sergio Garcia, they were probably past their prime. Let's be honest on that one. If you look at this week's international team, and and we're going to talk about how close it got and how nervy it got, but if you look at this week's team, look, it was decimated by Liv Goff. I, I, I do think it's remarkable that if you look at all the players that could have been here this week for Trevor Lindwoman and that international team, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, Louis Ustase, and Brendan Grace, all of these players that he probably expected to be part of that team versus 
the players that weren't here for the United States. In a weird way, I think the United States team is actually better on certain fronts. You didn't have the conflict in the team room that you would have they had. Would have loved, they would have loved to have Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson uh, is Dustin's a, is probably a, the one that stands out. Generational talent. He's got better leadership. He's been there, done that. He's coming off a 5-0 and Ryder Cup. Like, I thought he has missed from the U.S. team. But, the, but Brooks, but Bryson, uh, I mean, Boog and Harris English, who didn't qualify for this year's team, uh, largely because of injuries they suffered this year, I didn't think they were missed whatsoever. No, and you get rid of the conflict. Like, whatever that meant last year between Brooks and Bryson, whatever the man's path was, I mean, it was something in the team room that had to yeah, be Yeah, Brooks and DJ. And Brooks and DJ. And look, Steve Stricker did a... Brooks uh, and everyone. Brooks and literally everyone. And, and Steve Stricker did a fantastic job last year as the captain of the Ryder Cup team. And also, and I put this in my column tonight, even Patrick Reed. Like, that was the outlier. Like, you go back to 2019, and I was told by someone inside the team room, he was a cancer on that team. And now you don't have to worry about that anymore. So, on a lot of fronts, whatever happened with Liv Goff has made the U.S. team stronger, better more prepared to go forward on the international side again just decimated and i'll give trevor credit he has not leaned into that this week he hasn't used it as an excuse as a matter of fact the only thing he's really brought up about it was to follow up that greg norman tweet that was ill-timed and probably a very very bad idea my guess is we hear more from that over the next couple weeks no it's not the best u.s team or, or let's just say best team of all time but it's a really really good team man these sorts of things tend to be cyclical. Uh, Davis Love III, the U.S. captain, uh, brought that up this evening. I think it's easy to agree when you look at the mid-2000s. It, I thought the U.S. was obviously in a rough shape. When you get to the early 2010s, you're starting to, to get phased out of the Tiger, Phil, Stricker, Furick reliance. And, you know, it, it was kind of what the European Ryder Cuppers faced last year, where you know, those players were still good enough to give it one more go, go around, but it was probably uh, at, a, at a juncture where it was best to move forward. And I think the, the U.S. is really hitting its stride now. You saw that certainly at last year's Ryder Cup, the 1909, the most historic Ryder Cup blowout in history, although this was probably closer than many imagine, and we'll certainly get into the Sunday drama. If, if for some reason you're listening to this recap podcast without watching uh, the coverage, it was 17 and a half to 12 and a half was the eventual score, but I think it was actually closer than the final score would indicate. But you have this young nucleus for the American team. It's the youngest team they've ever had uh, in a history of a cup. And and you're right, Zach Johnson's task was made markedly easier. Both he. And Luke Donald, the European Ryder Cup captain, know that when Friday morning rolls around in Italy, they're going to be sending JT and Spieth and Cantlay and Shoffley, uh, barring uh, those guys still having a pulse at, at this time next year. And then I, it, it might be a little bit of a question who you'd go from there, but there's only two more teams to fill. You have to imagine that Scotty Shuffle, the world number one, is probably going to play with Sam Burns, even though they didn't have a particularly dazzling record. You look at the other players, whether it's Cameron Young, whether it's Colin Morikawa, whether it's Max Homa, who shined this week going 4-0 in his debut appearance uh, on, a, on a cup team. We all expect Will Zalatoris, who's currently recovering uh, from herniated discs in his back, uh, to make that team a year from now. And so there's a, there's a comfort level. There's, a, I think, an understanding that the Americans – 
kind of have the goods. And once they get to Italy, all they need to do is kind of execute their game plan. So uh, nothing that I saw this week from the Americans, even though it was a little bit of a nervy Sunday, uh, leads me to believe uh, that this juggernaut is going to get derailed anytime soon. Let's keep it, Rex, with the Americans. Top performers, I think you have to start with Jordan Spieth, just a sixth player ever to post a 5-0 and perfect record uh, in the President's Cup, the first American to do so since Jim Furyk in 2011. Besides Spieth, what other performances kind of stood out to you for the American side? Hey, you got something right. You got a prediction right with Jordan Spieth. I'm going to give you credit. I'm going to give you Thank some you. You had a tough week. Like, let's be honest. Nope. You had a- I, said hammer, I said hammer the under. I do not know much about gambling, but the spread was six and a half. That's really President's Cup, I said, hammer the under, whatever yeah. that means. And I was right. The, yeah. the eventual margin was less. It's a, you're not doing that right. So, so steer away from the game. Hammer it. But yeah, what you right. did. Yep. Nope. No, nope, you're not doing that right. But what you did do well is one, you picked Jordan Spieth as the man of the match. And clearly he was 5-0-1-0. And you look how dominant he was. I, I do think it, in these interviews on Sundays at these cups, when the U.S. team wins and there's a lot of alcohol. It's, from, a, it's a little bit of a disaster. It is a disaster. You're not getting anything that's, I mean, it, it's entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I like sitting in that room and laughing, and and certainly there was a lot to laugh at tonight. I will say, though, that in this particular case, it's not, you're not hammering the under. What, you're, what you did was you took the international team in the points, and, and that's that's where you got it wrong. Do you understand? Nope, not even a little. I, I, I said the you Americans would win, but they would not win by more than six and a half, which was what the spread. So in other words, I took the internationals and the points. How was that that right? No, 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 you got that right. No, you got that absolutely right. And you got Jordan Spieth, who was great. The the other person that stood out to me on Sunday, and I think this was my man of the match, and I came in just short, was Xander. And he didn't deserve to be the man of the match because he had to grind out to get that victory. But he did get the winning point. Both of us called the winning point would come from Xander Schauffele. Both of us were standing on the 18th green because we knew that's exactly – where it was going to happen. And that is, well, hold on. That's a problem, Rex, because Why? you and I on Saturday evening said that Xander Schauffele is going to clinch the President's Cup. Yeah. Why was, why was that a problem? Because two of the international team's best players, Sung Im and Tom Kim, were after Xander Schauffele. That is a problem. If Trevor Immelman wanted to give his team the best chance to win, then Sung J.M. and Tom Kim needed to be among the first players off for the international side. Anyone can see that. Anyone can see that that was going to backfire for Trevor Emmelman. And I thought he was a terrific captain. I thought his press conferences were very interesting. It almost seemed like he was uh, kind, of, kind of playing a, the, the role of the, of the fiery captain and, and, and kind of uh, speaking to us in the media uh, knowing that his players were sitting back in the team room watching what he was going to say. So I thought he was inspiring. Uh, he certainly had some interesting comments on Sunday evening where he, he kind of started ranting and raving, uh, saying how he's tired of his team being looked at as a joke, even though they are now 1-12-1 and uh, in this biennial competition. But everyone knew that that was a mistake to put Sung J.M. off 8th and Tom Kim off 10th. I would have loved to see those guys off early. It was certainly a, 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 a competitive Sunday, uh, but I think that would have been uh, – it could have made things even edgier. 
I'm good leaning into the, the armchair quarterback thing. Like I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I wasn't okay with it last night. I needed, I wanted to see how it played out in this particular case. And look, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Trevor was a very good captain given the circumstances. Like he dealt with a pandemic. He dealt with something called live golf. He, he was a captain for three years. Like everything that went into it made his life that much more difficult. And I do believe he pour, poured his heart and soul into this, but you're right. When Tom, made, Kim, he made some mistakes. When Tom Kim is on the golf course and the outcome has already been decided, then something went wrong. Like, forget about losing. Like, I, this goes beyond just you didn't get the points where you thought you might get the points. You, you made a bad decision. Like, he is by far the best player. And as I walked out with group, as I walked out with Sam Burns, because I thought he was going to have himself a day. And as I walked out, it dawned on me that had Tom Kim specifically been in one of those earlier groups, imagine the impact. All of that, I think histrionics is the one that you threw Xander with, right? That's what you yep, threw at that's him. That's the one. You slapped him in the face, and then yep. you started leaking confidence, and you got so scared when he called you on it, and you had to run back to your computer. Went to dictionary.com, looked it up. I was reaffirmed. You're right. You got it. Uh, yeah, but- Tom Kim's histrionics. Can you imagine in a different scenario where he's first or second or third or even fourth off, whatever the case may be, where he's suddenly just sucking the energy out of the crowd and turning it? on the Americans. And he did it. He certainly did that on Saturday. You wrote about it. 1,300 words of you just leaning into the idea that... 1,300 words in 45 minutes. That's got to be a record. It has to be a record. Like, forget about the U.S. team and this being the greatest I was the man of the match. That's right. No doubt about it. 1,300 words. Uh, I will argue that he could have done so much more for the international team. Forget about putting, you know, one of their flags, the shield on the leaderboard, which would have helped but he would have just sucked the air out of the crowd. And I think that would have been huge. Yeah. I don't care that Siwoo Kim, who was first off actually won that point against Justin Thomas. I don't care that Tom Kim was three up through 11 holes and eventually lost to Max Homa one up. It's more the fact that you could have had in this exhibition, Tom Kim versus Justin Thomas leading the way, the two heartbeats of their respective teams. If Tom Kim goes out and he dusts Justin Thomas. If he beats him four and three, then that sends a signal to the rest of the international side, like it's on. If he goes out and loses, well, he's kind of expected to do so. It's Justin Thomas. He's on a trajectory now to be one of the best American match by players in cup history of all time. And so you just kind of shrug it as that as well. It's not revisionist history. We're not looking at that because quite frankly, if Tom Kim was in the first spot as opposed to the 10th when it doesn't really matter. Maybe he hasn't fought for that lead. Maybe Siwoo Kim, if he's buried a little bit more um, on, in the lineup, he doesn't make all those clutch putts and flips JT. I, I just thought it was a missed opportunity. I thought it was a poor management. And, and Sung J.M. as well. You cannot tell me. And Cam Davis has played, he's played. He's played fine. He's played fine this week for the internationals. But Cam Davis should not have been in the second spot. You put Sung J there. You put Tom Kim there. You needed black or gold or whatever color they are. I'm colorblind. Black and gold. Black and gold. Yeah, you need black and gold up on the board early, uh, and and they just didn't. They just didn't do it. They they lost the second match. They tied the third one. They lost the fourth, and they lost the sixth and seventh. And and there you go. The the, the match is the match is over by the time you got to Xander Schauffele, as we correctly predicted on Saturday night. And look, I, I don't. I, I love this in the aftermath. So in the next few weeks and months. We'll learn more about exa- what went on in the team room. We'll learn more exactly what Trevor was thinking. The and system. Maybe, 
He said, we run the system. No one knows what the system is. He didn't clarify what the system was. He didn't expand on what the system was. He just said, we run our system. He sounded like Nick Saban. I can hear the taco. I can oh hear my you. God, it's it. delicious. <laughs> it sounds good. I-, I made the mistake. The crunchy taco was a mistake. I-, I-, I know that now. This thing is just sliding right down the gullet. No problem here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you out. I'll be a good teammate and just lean in with the idea that we'll learn more over the next few weeks, months, whatever the case may be, about exactly what this system was. I, I'd like to think, and I'm going to give Trevor the benefit of the doubt, at least in the short term, that he had a plan and the plan just didn't work. I just don't see how that landed. I, I don't see how sitting Tom Kim, and you're right, in this particular situation, it's a very clear cut blueprint what you need to do you need to go out early you need to put flags on the board and especially when you're on the road you need to suck the air out of the room and tom kim would have done all of those things i I truly believe that and what i really think he was doing what i think trevor was doing was trying to actually get the matchup that he wanted he wanted a specific matchup for tom where he could put him in a situation where he knew he was going to succeed but by doing that you essentially took him out of the game yeah, and I think that's the real crime. And, 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 to, be, and to be clear, Rex, on, on Sunday, there was about a 30-minute window where it certainly looked like this thing could either go either way or you were looking at a 15-and-a-half to 14-and-a-half American victory, which, which would have seemed unfathomable at the beginning of the week. Like the international team was clearly game. Siwoo Kim made a lot of clutch putts down the stretch. Sebastian Munoz morphed into the player that we've seen uh, shoot 60 on the PGA Tour a couple of times while beating the world number one, Scotty Scheffler. Sung J.M. did get a point. Cage Lee did get a point. Hideki Matsuyama did tie Sam Burns, who, uh, if you listen to anyone on that American team, and we weren't privy to some of these uh, deep statistics at the at the uh, U.S. Uh, captains did have, but they said Sam Burns, despite his 0-3-2 record, uh, played as well as anyone this week. Like, they were clearly game, but the, inter- the, the U.S. team was just, was just too strong. It's, the five-point margin is kind of what you expected. I think it was just a little bit surprising how we got there. Max Homa tipped the cap, 4-0 for him. Uh, Tony Finau... Uh, continues to show his worth. Patrick Cantlay, uh, I thought Saturday afternoon that uh, four balls session was kind of the highlight of this President's Cup for me, a surprising loss for Cantlay and Shoffley in there, and then he rebounds with a 3-2 and two win over Adam Scott. Now, Rex, there was a lot of uh, talk at the beginning of the week, not necessarily by the players and the captains, but some of that outside noise. I certainly remember Paul McKinley on live from saying, look, this, this President's Cup, uh, needs needs some sort of refresher. Maybe you bring in women. Maybe there's some sort of format change. What do you think this week's event and the eventual outcome did for the perception of the event? Because you look at it from 30,000 feet, the Americans won again. It's now 12-1-1, the Americans overall in this series. But it does feel, at least to me, like they're getting closer. Do you Do you concur? Yeah, I think this event promotes that kind of mentality of being a prisoner of the outcome, right? Where all you're going to do is look and oh, an, another American loss, another international, I mean, another American win, another international loss. I think that glosses over so many things. And there were so many things going against 
the international team. I, I don't think you and I both spent some time talking with Davis Love after his press conference tonight, and he completely dismissed the idea. Like, look, that was a really good team. And yes, we got it this time around. But on the if you look at where they are going, if you look at the international team as far as talent and everything else that goes into it, take the live golfers out of it. Because had the live golfers been here this week, I truly think it would have come down to the last hole because it would have been a much, much closer competition. But even without the live golfers, there was still that 30-minute window when you and I and everybody on property at Quail Hollow was kind of quiet and it was kind of uncomfortable. And you realize that, oh, maybe the Americans didn't invent the game and maybe they could lose this. And I think that's what Trevor was leaning into most of the week. No, I don't think there needs to be any sort of reinvention of what this is. You and I talked about this on the way home. If I was going to write a column about this, it would be the shortest column in the history of mankind. Because the only thing I truly believe they need to change is 28 points. Go from 30 points to 28 points. Just go to 28 points. It's what they use at the Ryder Cup. It's why the Ryder Cup is so successful. And we have so much excitement every two years at the Ryder Cup. They seem to just boil this up. It's just you cue it up, and there it is, and it's exciting. This would be no different because it would allow the international captains specifically to maybe hide a couple of those players that weren't playing well. And he knew he needed to, to sort of manipulate his lineup to put the best players out and keep the others sort of on the back burner until he needed them on Sunday. If you get rid of those two points, in theory, and this is just in theory, I know what I'm doing here. I'm I'm playing revisionist. But in theory, you get rid of those two points. You play for 28 points. The internationals go into Sunday two points down. And I don't care who you are. You understand the difference between being four down and two down. Folks, it's it's such an easy fix. I mean, we weren't we're not all that far removed from having 34 points available in this President's Cup. It was as recently as 2013 when there were 34 points that were available in this competition. We've since trimmed it to 30, and it is so obvious now that you need to get to 28. It's simple. Instead of five foursomes matches and five four balls matches, it's four apiece. I have no issue whatsoever with dragging it out over four days. I understand that the tour wants its showcase. I understand that there's hospitality that can be sent. I understand that the TV windows, uh, they, they enjoy the four-day tournament that you typically see on the PGA Tour. I have no issues with that whatsoever. But simply trimming one match from each of those opening sessions allows them to hide players. It allows them to get more creative with some of their captain's picks because you can have let's say, a, a foursome specialist or a, a great putter or a great iron player. Captains can get a little bit craftier with some of the players and, and really mold the roster that they want to have. And you can start having these ready-made pairings. I, I think both you and I expected the Canadians to come out this week, whether it was Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith, uh, in either of those two formats, and go out and play really well. They're best friends. That's a format that they are still uh, very familiar with. They should have been obviously very comfortable together. Of course, those two players laid an egg. They're at 08, uh, uh, 08 combined. Yes, but statistically, uh, in, in this, they were their, in this, they were in the President's Cup. Best pairing. They, yes. Statistically, if you looked at it, they should have been their best. Yes, absolutely. And I think Mike Weir, in, in two years' time, when he's the captain uh, at Royal Montreal, he's going to take them together, send them out, and say, good luck, boys. And I would expect them uh, to fare far better. And so just having one fewer match, you don't have to have – you don't have to throw out a Bazaden hood or a 
Mito Pereira or, I mean, Sebastian Munoz played very well this week, uh, so you can't really harp on him. But, you know, a, a, a Cage Lee, if he's not uh, faring particularly well, a Siwoo Kim, if maybe he's less comfortable in foursomes over four balls. It just gives them more flexibility. It would be closer each and every time, regardless of the venue. I'm not sure why it does not go that way. There's clearly room for concessions. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone from 34 to 32 to now uh, 30. That just seems like such a no-brainer fix for this, uh, and such an easy fix for this event uh, that could make it all the better. Rex, what do you think for the American team? Does this make you any more confident that in a year's time they can win on foreign soil at the Ryder Cup for the first time in more than a quarter century? I think so. There would be no reason not to, right? Again, we just talked about the idea that you've got two built-in teams, four balls and, and foursomes. Like this, the, these aren't specialists. You're going to send them out in both formats, and you're just going to ride them. You're, you're not going to change it up. That, that plan is not going to change. Zach Johnson is not going to get to Saturday and think maybe I need to switch things up. No, you're going to roll with X and Pat and JT and Jordan because that's, that's what they've earned. That's what they have done as a team together. The part that gets me is the young players. And we saw it this week. We saw it with Cam Young. And he probably didn't get the performance that he wanted. He's probably going to look back at it, what he perceives as his lack of production. But to Davis's point, I think you can look and say, had he gone up against anyone else, he probably would have won. That's encouraging. Will Zalatoris, I think you've been harping on him for a while. I agree. He's going to be a special addition to this team when the time comes. Tony Finau, there's so many parts. You have that core, but then you have the other guys, the role players, let's call them. And I don't think the U.S. team has had that in a long time. Now, the opposite side of that is a European team that's going to be completely new look. We know that now. I mean, they're going to lose all of those let's call them veterans, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, all these players you would expect to be on the team. And it's going to be a new look team. And I don't know how you and I both were in Paris at that Ryder Cup. And we saw how intense it was. And my guess is Rome's going to be the exact same way. I think that actually plays against the Europeans in this particular case, because they're going to be the ones that are going to be inexperienced going into Rome. It's not easy. There's a reason why the U.S. hasn't done it in generations, but I think this team has got as good a chance as anyone. Uh, I would agree with that. This is as good a chance as they're going to have. If they don't win in Italy, I think it's fair to wonder if like the home course advantage or the home field advantage has almost gotten too far, like too, it's too advantageous to be at home. If this stacked American team, when the Europeans are clearly in a rebuilding mode uh, if they can't win there. I think this will be a fun exercise to look back because we look at that 2021 Ryder Cup team. We're just 12 months removed from there, but only seven of those 12 players on that U.S. roster actually made this President's Cup team. When you look at the roster as it was uh, constituted uh, here at Quail Hollow, you start to look at, okay, who are the guys who won't be on that Ryder Cup team in Italy, I don't think any of us would have foreseen that five players. We certainly didn't know the threat that live golf was going to become, but I don't think we anticipated that five players from that Ryder cup team would then not be on a cup team 12 months later. I think you and I are probably in agreement that Kevin Kisner uh, now aged 38 coming off a Oh, two and one performance uh, tied the fewest number of points 
uh, one here at the President's Cup for the U.S. side. Uh, his his playing days on a cup team are probably over, barring some sort of uh, miracle form in the summer. I'll be curious to see Rex about Billy Horschel. I, he's coming off the best year of his career, but he even he admitted uh, in the aftermath today that hey, he approached this President's Cup as if it could possibly be. Uh, his final time representing the U.S. on a cup team. It's only going to get more difficult to play on these teams. In theory, they would be making way for, you know, a, a Will Zalator, certainly. But then, who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's Sahith Thagala. Maybe it's there Davis it Riley. Maybe, it it's, maybe it's Maverick McNeely or J.T. Poston or a player we haven't even anticipated yet who could have a breakout during the 2022 2023 season how do you kind of see things shaping up because look I think there's a lot of unforeseen circumstances and scenarios that that clearly we didn't account for even over the past 12 months no I think you're right I think when you when you again you all go back to the core of this team and so you take those four and I'll even throw Tony Finau in there so you take those five and Scotty Scheffler so six half the team it seems like is going to be set into the near future you can build around that pretty easily, can you not? And you're right. There's going to be the Will Zalatoris, and you're always going to lean into Sahith until he makes a team, and you're going to do it one way or the other. Let me ask you a different, a bit of a different question. How many uh, crunchy tacos from Taco Bell is too many crunchy tacos from Taco Bell? Well, the answer is not five. Uh, I'm, currently on, I'm currently on number four or five just during this podcast. Uh, I'm sure the folks at home can't, can't tell that I'm just plowing through these. Although you, you had a bit of an issue. Uh, today on the golf course uh, with a little <laughs> horseradish. So I'm not sure the crunchy taco plus extra hot sauce uh, was a wise move for you today. No, I'm, I'm fine. I, I'm all good. Uh, I just wanted to say, and I've actually plowed through all five of mine. That's what I can do because I've learned I the keep, rhythm. I keep, I keep seeing you go on mute. Yeah. And every time I went on mute, I, I threw another crunchy taco down and just blew that thing down. It sucked it down. It was so good. Um, I, I don't think that the American team – like if you look forward and let's just go back to Glen Eagles and the Ryder cup and whatever happened there and the darkness and, and the, the task force that came from it, that was ridiculed so much. I, I will give everyone credit involved, including Davis love. And, and even to a certain degree, Phil Mickelson, you know, who's turned into the easy villain and all of this, I'll, I'll give all of them credit for realizing there was a huge problem and that the problem wasn't going to be solved in the simplest terms, by just letting continue to do the same thing over and over again, that something dramatic had to change. And in this particular case, it's player empowerment. I mean, it's kind of the earliest vestiges of player empowerment because they wanted to have a say and not necessarily who was going to be on the team, but they wanted to have a say in, in who was going to be the next captain. They wanted to have a say on the continuity of the team between cups, not just the Ryder Cup, between the President's Cup. And we've seen that year in and year out now. Like you can just look up on that dais and see zach johnson next year's Ryder cup captain and webb simpson who is going to be either a Ryder cup or a president's cup captain or both and freddie couples and steve stricker who have both who've been right they need to integrate some more guys like i obviously webb was a no-brainer this year given his charlotte yeah connections yeah they will and, and, like we're, and we're missing, totally we're, missing we're missing like a cooch i mean dj's kind of obviously on the outs now like they're gonna have to start incorporating these guys who are you know my age 35 through through 42 but it it needs to start soon does it not i think it will i I don't think anyone i mean keep in mind 
there was someone up on that dais this week and there was someone driving around in a fancy golf cart that went so fast. Those golf carts were insanely dangerous. Beautiful golf fast. carts. Beautiful golf carts, aren't they? Dangerously fast. Uh, there was someone driving around one of those golf carts that would not have been otherwise had Tiger Woods been able to, to get in, get into a private jet and, and fly up here and motor around for a week. I mean, I think that was pretty clear. Tiger wanted to be here, would have been here, but is still kind of physically restricted and wasn't able to do it. However, going forward, yes. Whoever the guy behind Webb Simpson is, and off the top of my head, I don't know who that is. I can come up with a couple uh, got to be got to be Cooch. Got to be Cooch. Would be probably Cooch. Sort of into, into that category. I will say this: I think you just mentioned Kisner. I think he falls into that category sometimes. And, and there's going to what? be. I'm, I'm, I'm going Kisner's to get played put- on two teams. No, but he falls into the mode. Cooch has uh, played on like seven or eight. Uh, no, no. I told, told. I'm not saying Coocher. This isn't either or. You both things can be true. They they can both be vice captains and maybe in the in the. I kind of see. I kind of do see Kiz as like the next generation Fred Couples, a guy yeah. that everyone likes to be around. He keeps everyone loose. He's clearly fiery. He's clearly a smart guy. He's on the PGA Tour policy board. Like he's clearly an intelligent guy. He, there's a little bit of a shtick there where he's either just a partier or he doesn't care. He just wants to hunt and fish. But like I do think Kiz is a very smart guy and could kind of fill that next-gen Freddie Couples role. Well, and I equated, and there's going to be pushback on this. I understand that. So, but I equated this one. So when Paul McGinley was captain of the European team, if you looked at his resume on the European tour versus whatever the case may be on the PGA tour, his resume was the equivalent of Chad Campbell. And, and I'm not throwing shade at Chad Campbell at all here, but they had both won the same amount of times been about the same when it comes to the money list and the FedEx Cup points list and their race to Dubai, whatever the case may be. I was just trying to quantify that this isn't a major champion. And I think that's where the United States sort of got sideways down the line, that they they had this mole of what they felt like. Just because you won a major does not mean you can you can lead men. That was absolutely that was such a uh, ludicrous argument. And, and we've broken away from that. The U.S. has broken away from that. Five dollars. That's on me. Uh, the U.S. has broken away from that. And so my argument is. Kevin Kisner fits into this team right now. I don't know what the team's going to look like 10 years from now, but you're right. Like Fred couples is, is brilliant. We watched him all week long. It's, it's fun to watch him. It's mesmerizing to watch him. He just seems to work every room he's in and every fairways he's in. And he's so engaged and you get the idea that he's not engaged in anything else in his life. Like, like you get the idea that when he's home, He's just wandering around his house thinking of the cool things he can do. But when he's here this week, you see a different kind of Fred. And I can imagine someday that's the role that Kiz moves into. Who gets tabbed for 2025 Ryder Cup, Tiger or Freddie Couples? Uh, it's going to be Tiger. Uh, I mean, I like, or I mean, I guess it's up to Tiger if it's going to be Tiger. I, I'd like to think that Freddie gets one eventually, but for some reason, you haven't been able to cross that. And I don't know why. Like, because he, He's such an obvious choice. And, and the argument here, and it's funny, I got some pushback on Twitter when I said something. Yeah, I took a picture of him. You got pushback on Twitter. Imagine that. Yes, it happens. I took a picture of him during one of the press conferences and said, why don't we just make him a part of every U.S. team going forward? Vice captain, captain, whatever the case may be. I mean, have him you know, just driving the golf cart, whatever the case may be. Just give him a headset and let him be part of it. And I got a lot of pushback about too old or old man or disconnected or whatever. I'm telling you right now. The youngest players on that team, all the way down to, to Cam Young, loved playing with Fred Couples as part did of Cam, it. Did Cam Young tell you that, or did he just grin when you asked him? I think I saw his teeth. 
I didn't even realize he had teeth until this week. <laughs> Stole someone's joke there. Uh, keep in mind that Freddie Couples is the one who put Patrick Cantlay and Xander together. He talked Tiger Woods into that. It's not easy to talk Tiger Woods into anything. And Fred Couples is behind one of the two best pairings right now on the U.S. team process. So I certainly think the idea that somehow he's disconnected or doesn't get it, that's way off. Uh, I agree. It's, it's, to me, it's always been more, does he want the responsibilities of the two-year job that the, that the Ryder Cup has become? All of the press obligations, all of the marketing materials, all of the scouting missions, like as an assistant, you know, I'm not totally privy, privy to those discussions, but it just seems like a lot of texts, a lot of Zoom calls. Um, and then you leave some of the planning to the PJ Tour staff when it comes to the President's Cup. The Ryder Cup is a is a bigger undertaking. There's more coverage of it. There's more visibility when it comes to the cap. And I don't know if Fred Couples, he turns 63 here in a couple of weeks, would want that uh, in three years' time. I don't know. I'd love to see him. I think he'd be immensely popular uh, as the captain at Beth Page. If it's not Freddie, it's obviously going to be Tiger. Those are the only two players uh, who seem to be uh, fit for that role. Rex, let's wrap it up. Any closing thoughts from the President's Cup? Did you enjoy the week? Did you not enjoy the week? You looking forward to some downtime now? Like, what, what was your... What was your big takeaway from the week, I guess? A little distracted. I went online. I think I'm going to buy one of those Kudo grills. Did you take a look at these things today? I, I guess this, so the South African team, they lost the matches. But I will give Trevor and the South Africa, not the South, the internationals credit that they, they did the food right this week. And all you need to do is go check out uh, Trevor Umhun's, uh Twitter account and look at what he served Saturday night. And this grill, it's called a Kudo grill. Have you checked this thing out? It's really I not, cool. but, I, but I do have I do have money to blow. I have disposable income at this point. Uh, you do not, because I think I, I think we talked about what you're going to use that. You're going to use. Yes, that I'm going to get my new Callaway Road ST irons. There it I is. Wait to get uh, fitted for them uh, and purchase them with my own money. How's your seat looking tomorrow morning for the flight? You good? You all set? <clears throat> Middle seat, which is uh, almost a guarantee uh, yeah. that I will be between uh, two uh, four hundred pounders. This was the first. President's Cup that I have covered, Rex, covered a bunch of Ryder Cups. How was it? How was it? I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it gets a bad rap. I think everyone focuses on what it isn't as opposed as opposed to what it is. The players love competing in these. I don't think they want to do it multiple times a year. I think that's why you see some of the big names uh, besides uh, Xander and uh, can't lay uh, skipping the Zurich classic because look, most guys are trying to peak for this. This is where stars can be made. I think Tom Kim uh, became kind of a global superstar this week, even if it did get a little bit exhausting uh, by some of our brethren uh, in the golf media, but like Jordan Spieth kind of cemented his legacy. Jordan, Th- or, did I just say, did I just call him Jordan Thomas? Jordan Spieth cemented no, his, his legacy. He got it right. JT, um, as I mentioned, is now on a trajectory to become like the best U.S. match play ever, like Xander and Cantlay. Like everyone knows when you get to Europe, like that's the team, that's the juggernaut team that you absolutely uh, have to be. Like it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to cover. Really anything can happen in 18-hole match play. You see these guys in a different light. You see them get closer. You learn more about kind of what makes them tick as human beings as opposed to just 
these these robot players that we see so often on the PJ Tour. So I absolutely loved it. Had a great first Presidents Cup experience. Uh, and I would argue uh, on the back end of that that I think the players actually enjoy this more than they do the Ryder Cup. And that, this is no disrespect. I'm not throwing shade at the Ryder Cup. This is just more relaxed. And it just goes to our Freddie comment. Like Freddie fits, fit, fits into this event much better than he ever would at the Ryder Cup because he's Freddie. He's going to roll around. And he's going to make jokes and he's going to sort of go off into his own world when he should be making picks right in front of the media and the world. I, I think that kind of defines what this is and why the players seem to like it more. Now that's not to say that if you gave a, a player a choice, would you rather play on a Ryder cup or a president's cup team? Most are probably going to pick a Ryder cup team, but they do enjoy this for all those. Yeah, reasons. The, I mean, the Ryder cup is just so much pressure. Like if and you it's go, intense, yes, if you go, Oh, and four in Italy next year in the Ryder cup, like you're going to hear about it for two years. Whereas opposed to, Scotty Scheffler, what did he go? Oh, three and one this week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he went oh three and one for the Americans. Like people are going to forget about that next week. If that happens again, next, next fall, if he's a world number one and the Americans lose, like that's going to follow him around for, for a while. And so the, the so vibe, you're going to be with me vibe, two years from now, Royal Montreal. So you're rolling with me to Royal Montreal that we sold you on that. You're coming back for the second one. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I know exactly where we need to eat. Joe Beef uh, was one of the best meals of my life. Garde Manger. I'm probably uh, butchering that pronunciation. Uh, apologies to all my, uh, all my friends uh, in Montreal. It was absolutely incredible. We'll certainly be maxing out our expense report there. Like We're going we're gonna to be eating very well. Uh, I don't know if the international team will finally get its first win since 1998. Uh, but I look forward uh, to being there. But thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Just a reminder, go check out all of our coverage on golfchannel.com. We'll be back next week for a recap of the PGA Tour event and all the other happenings in the world of golf.